I've always felt a little bit weird calling him the third person of the Trinity since it's all one. It's not like one, two, three. <laughs> um, but that's what we call the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Um, and last week we started this um, kind of a, um, uh, a run-through, a quick run-through of some of the primary works of the Holy Spirit. We kind of established how the Spirit is one with the Trinity. The Spirit is God. Um, he is not less God because He's not the Father or the Son. No, He is fully and completely God. However, biblically speaking, there are different roles given to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has a role that is not necessarily the Father's role or the Son's role, even though they operate within the same will the same mind, the same person. And we gave examples of the Father as the one in scriptures that we see as the judge. The Son is the one who, is, who died on the cross for us, who came in the flesh and died on the cross. The Father did not do that. The Spirit did not do that. And then we, we're gonna be, we're, we've been talking about the work of the Spirit, how it is distinct to this third person of the Trinity. And we talked last week about how um, he is the one that actually draws men to Christ. Um, the Spirit is the one that actually brings us to life. Um, just going back to the very creation account, it was the breath of God that breathed into man and he became a living being. And the Spirit is that breath that quickens the Spirit within man to see and receive the gospel. That is the work of the Spirit um, scripturally speaking. And today we're going to be working through some other parts of the Spirit's role um, in Scripture. Um, and let's start with the Spirit wrote the Scriptures. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Before we, before we read this passage, I'd like to, to pray, ask the Lord's wisdom as we dive into the study of the Spirit, whom the Scriptures speak, he come, the wind, like the wind comes and goes where it, where it wishes. We don't know where He's coming from or where He's going. There's, very, there's a great mystery to the doctrine of the Spirit, but we, we seek the Lord's wisdom to be able to understand what is recorded for us to know of Him. Uh, Lord, I thank You for this study that we're able to go through. I thank You for the crowd that's here today um, to learn of You, to seek Your face. Um, and to not just seek uh, to be religious, to not just seek to go to church because it's Wednesday, but to truly get to know you better, and that's what we seek to do here. Um, Lord, I just pray that I we would not be relying on my wisdom or any of our wisdom, our capabilities to understand, but Lord, that we would just rely on you, that we would give you your place, and that we would not try to be the Spirit, um, trying to open each other's eyes, for that is your work. I pray that we would be humble in regards to this study. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So 2 Timothy 3.16, um, somebody would like to read that for us. Okay, so when your, your translation says is given by inspiration of God, Mine reads, all scripture is breathed out by God. Um, and literally, that is the, the pneuma word in the, in the original languages for the, the breath or the wind, which is regarded as the Holy Spirit. 
Um, so we see here in this passage, all scripture is breathed out by God, um, which, was, which is often translated as, um, what was the word? That? Inspiration. Inspiration, inspired, basically given from another, um, not of your own volition, basically. But here we see it more or less the, the breathing of God. When these people, when, these, when you know, Paul was writing to Timothy, God, through the Spirit, was breathing into Paul what he should write. Now, how did that work? Nobody really knows exactly. We're not writing Scripture today, so it's not like I can ask Kirk. When you wrote, this, when you, wrote you know, 1 Kirk 3, <laughs> you know, how did it feel when the Spirit was inspiring you? <laughs> we can't ask those questions of Paul or Peter or John. Um, so, I mean, that's by and large a mystery, but we do know that Paul himself readily admits that I'm not getting this just because I'm a smart guy. I'm getting this because God has given it to me through his spirit. Um, and look at 2 Peter one twenty one. Second 2 Peter one twenty one. if somebody could read that. Okay, so that makes it a little bit more clear. Talking about Peter is referencing the prophets. Um, those prophesying in the name of God were not just, again, it's not because they were intelligent beings. They were typically common, ordinary men. Um, they were moved along or carried along by the Holy Spirit. Again, we're saying the same thing in a, in a sense, um, that the Holy Spirit is, is the one who wrote essentially the scriptures what we see here written down on these pages was given to us by means of the holy spirit telling people what they should be writing down any questions or comments about that so that was the writing of scripture was a role given to the holy spirit working through feeble-minded men <laughs> and women Men aren't the only ones. Yeah. Yeah. The contrast is there for sure. Right. And you know, if we believe the record giving to given to us, I would find that to be far more reliable than just a, a person recording um, what they kind of thought up. I mean, there's plenty of writings out there that's very intelligent. You know, if you read even books about the Bible can seem very intelligent, but we have to remember, while we should be reading books about the Bible written by other men, uh, we have to also keep in mind that these are men not being inspired by the Holy Ghost, writing down what they think about the scriptures. Much of the time they're right, sometimes they're wrong. We have to use discernment when we are writing, reading books even by some of the most respected men in our circles, because yeah, we can't just say, well, so-and-so said it this way, so they, it must be true. Because, well, let's go back to the Scripture. Why are they saying it? Where's the foundation for what they said in Scripture? Because the Scripture is the authority. That's the thing that was actually given to us by God through the Spirit. You know, very spiritual men 
can still be wrong because they're not inspired the same way as the Spirit was inspiring these um, writers of Scripture. I would think even though Jim was good salesman, yeah. Jim like Edwards or mm -hmm. Ferguson, people right. would say, hey, you know, that's, I'm not God and I'm right. not going to inspire, but, you know, they, they did study Scripture mm -hmm. extensively and right. you can certainly learn a lot from them, but they right. would be readily admitting that, you know, they're not yeah. like Paul. Right. And as far as men go, some men are a little bit more authoritative than other men. You know, you should probably listen to Jonathan Edwards instead of me if we disagree. <laughs> you know, he's probably far more respectable of a theologian than I ever will be. But ultimately, whether it's Edwards, whether it's me, whether it's somebody else, you know, we need to come back to the scripture as far as whatever is being spoken to see, is that actually biblically sound? Because this is the words of the spirit right here. Not the stuff that's on my page that I've prepared. <laughs> and in fact, when I just to try to help me guard against being too wise in my own eyes, I mean a lot. I mean most of my notes are just like here's scripture passages and here's kind of what that talks about. Just because I don't want to fill it with too many of my own words, I want to just okay. Here are the scripture passages. Let's deal with these. Let's look at scripture. Let's talk about what the scripture actually has to say, rather than my own words of wisdom. Um, just because I know that I'm not that good at life. So <laughs> um, so let's see here. The next, any other, any other comments or questions about that before we move on? Okay. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Keeping with kind of this, a similar theme with Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 9. The Spirit actually, not he didn't just write the Word, but he also reveals the Word to us. The Spirit is the one who lives within us and gives us the ability to understand what is written. Who would like to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 13? Through thirteen. Did I do the wrong one? No, you no, you started right. Just go through thirteen. Twelve through thirteen. Now that we oh ten. Okay, read through thirteen. Correct. Gotcha. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so Okay, so in general, what is this passage talking about? Did you see in your own words? What do we know about the Spirit in this passage here? He knows the mind of God. The Spirit knows the mind of God. How in the world does the Spirit know the mind of God? <laughs> yeah, because God revealed it to him and because he is one with 
God. He's part of the Trinity. He and he, the Father and the Son, all have the same will, the same mind. I mean, we're supposed to be united together in the same mind in Christ. How much more is the Spirit united with the Son and the Father in the same mind? So, and he uses an illustration. I mean, Linda, if I, you know what you think about things. I don't know what you think about everything, except for what you tell me, right? You know, I could, you know, what do you think about our current president? I don't want you to tell us, tell me right now, but I don't know exactly what you think about Donald Trump until you tell me. So, Linda knows her thoughts. I will only know her thoughts until when she tells them to me. I don't have any access to the mind or the heart of God. Not until he reveals it to me, and that only what he wishes to reveal. And this passage is telling us the Spirit is the one that God uses to reveal to us the mind and the heart of God. We have no other access to the mind and heart of God except through the Spirit. So if we want to know God's wisdom on a matter, we have to seek the Spirit. Um, I didn't write this passage down, but there's a passage that says, um, if, any, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally to all who ask. Um, and then what follows up with that is, um, uh, the train of thought is leaving me. Come back. Yeah, okay. James 1, let me, let's look that up real quick. James chapter 1. Uh, let's see here. One five. Okay. If any of you likes wisdom, James one five. If any of you likes wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generally to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea and is driven and tossed by the wind. Uh, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So he's telling us here that if you want to know the mind of God. Who are you supposed to seek? God. You're supposed to actually ask him. You're not supposed to ask some other person. If you want to know the mind of God, you're supposed to go and see what he's actually revealed. That's not to say we can't help each other out. Because we can help each other discern what's in scripture. But if you want to know, search out the scriptures. Pray and have, ask God to open up the wisdom of the revealed word to us. Because he says here, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, okay, so not because Paul was just smarter than everybody else, so he's writing these things down, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And then he goes on to say, the natural person does not accept the Spirit the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. So what this is, in a sense, telling us that the Spirit can reveal things to us that are not necessarily logical. Why? If it was all logical according to human wisdom, then there would be no reason for the natural man to find it folly. If it was just completely reasonable. The scriptures say things like when Jesus said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, otherwise you have no part in me. A lot of people left him because that sounded ridiculous. A lot of people left after that part and only a, only a small few remained. 
as followers of him for quite a while until he started doing other signs and wonders and then people came back because they liked what they saw. But all this to say, we need to give less credit to our abilities to work things out and more credit to the wisdom of God through prayer and through reading the scriptures. Does that make sense? And we need to actually give God the credit to, to, put, to, to faithfully believe when God says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. It doesn't just say, let him open up the scriptures. Because the natural man can't even always make out what's being said here. Everybody has access, well not everybody, but in the United States at least, the majority of our country has access to read what's here. But not everybody's going to be able to understand it. The Bible says that the things of truth are foolishness to those who are perishing. Those who are perishing cannot look here and understand the glorious truths that are here. There's a spiritual element, not just to the writing of Scripture, but to the understanding of it. So if we want to see what's written here, understand it, be able to apply it, we're going to need to actually prayerfully go through this. Not just think through it harder and read more commentaries. Applying human knowledge and human wisdom and human reason. Now there are plenty of places where commentaries are insightful, helpful, and even necessary because there are some things that you're not going to know like historical, historical facts about what was going on when this was written and what the historical things that, were, uh, that, he's, that Paul might be referring to. Um, those things, you know, you need to learn those things. But as far as understanding the truths of Scripture... The Spirit can reveal those things to us if we ask Him. He can open our eyes to see. Have you ever experienced that spiritual eye that God has given you? Have you ever prayed for understanding of a hard passage and then God gave you understanding after you prayed for it? Have you ever experienced that in your walk with God? We should be experiencing that because we should be putting our faith in God to reveal these things to us. Let Him ask nothing wavering, for the man who wavers is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So we should faithfully believe God when he says, if you ask me for wisdom through prayer, I'll give it to you. Do you believe that? Or do you believe, no, that's too mystical. That's too otherworldly. How can I believe something like that? I have to believe in the tangible, the physical, the the evidence given to me by people who are smart and wise. I mean, that's exactly what the scripture is speaking against. Not to say those are not helpful because the spirit can actually help other people to open our eyes. We're not the only people that the spirit opens the eyes of to see things, okay? But we have to also recognize God wants to open your eyes to see these things, to behold the beauty. You know, it's, it's the difference between like, you know, there are some people that walk outside on a beautiful hillside in a, in a misty morning and just see utter beauty there. And they just stand there in awe and delight, just loving what they see. But then another person might go to that same spot at that same time of the day and just be like, eh, no big deal. I don't really care that much about that. 
What's the difference? One person has the eye to see the beauty and the other person doesn't. Or just that's, you know, there are some forms of art that some people just really love and other people are just like, oh, that just looks like somebody throw, throw paint at a wall. <laughs> some people have the eye to appreciate that and other people don't. We have been given an eye to see and to love and to cherish what is written here in Scripture. It's the Spirit within us. He can help us to see that. Do we really believe it? If, go ahead. In James there, he's particularly, well, he's not talking about if you want to win the lottery, like right. Esther does it, but he's talking about if you have tribulation and trials. Mm-hmm. It's in the context of trials. Yeah. If you fall into, when you fall into one of those trials, Esther wisdom and God shows you why the trial, because what to think about the trial and mm-hmm. during the trial. Right. Right. And the language, yeah, you're exactly right. And I've taught, and I think I've taught about that before in regards to our trials. Um, but yeah, it's specifically dealing with, okay, so you are in the middle of a tribulation. And, it, and it's also considering like, remember when Jesus told his disciples, when you were put before you know, the judge, don't think ahead of time what you're going to say, because the spirit's going to give you the words to say. Um, so that's like in a situation of tribulation where you're supposed to testify, you're supposed to, you know, defend yourself or whatever. The Spirit will give you utterance in those situations. You don't have to worry about what you're going to say. God's going to help you in that situation. You're going to say the things that need to be said. I was actually just reading something like that from a Chinese pastor who was put before a judge and he's facing imprisonment um, where, you know, he just wrote, I mean, or his, his testimony was just pages and pages and pages of very profound, a pr- very profound testimony of Christ. You know, and he admitted, like, you know, I, the best um, um, testimony I've ever, been, I've ever given is this one here that would have never been given if I was not standing before a judge. <laughs> you know, because the God is giving him utterance. Um, and it was all recorded and put in the Hong Kong Free Press. Um, you can look that up online. But, you know, all this to say that the Spirit is really alive within us. He is really there to give us wisdom in tribulations, in scriptures, as we labor over scriptures. There's going to be, there's stuff all the time that I'm in, I'm reading through the scriptures, and um, I have no idea what it's talking about. I pray and I ask God, what's the wisdom that you want, to, want me to see here? Almost without fail, <laughs> In the times when it does fail, it's usually because of my own faithlessness. He'll show me wisdom in that passage. Whereas otherwise, I was just going to move on. But then I end up just meditating on that and dwelling on the truths revealed by the Spirit. He works in us like that. Do you actually believe that? Have you experienced that yourself? Well, then I would encourage you, and this will be the last thing we talk about today. I would encourage you, the spirit who wrote the scriptures, the spirit that is one with God, who knows the mind of God because he is God, he can reveal to us the mind and the spirit of God himself because he he actually knows the mind and the heart of God. Nobody else does. There is no other access that we have to the mind and the will and the heart of God but through the Spirit that has been given to us that dwells within us. Are you pleading with Son in this? What do you mean? Are you pleading what the Son taught us? Oh, in... Would be, I mean. Right. 
But in the, in the spirit, actually, it helps us understand what the son was actually teaching, you know. Because not everybody believes and sees the truth and the beauty and what the son was, has spoken. And the spirit opens our eyes to see it and to cherish it and to receive it and believe it. So my encouragement to you today is actually believe God when he says, believe me. I've given you my spirit to teach you, to guide you in all spiritual truth. Whether in tribulation or in the scriptures, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you have the spirit. He can give you spiritual insight into the spiritual mind and heart of God himself. Nobody else can give you that. So prayerfully seek God in this, and it'll transform your life. It really will. Both in how you react to certain situations, where you lack wisdom, or when you're reading the scriptures and you don't exactly know what's going on, you can ask God, God, interpret these spiritual truths to me so that I can understand them spiritually and then apply them to my life. Because otherwise, I don't really know what this is talking about, let alone what to do with it or how to obey it. <coughs> Ask the Spirit to show you how you can do that. Nothing wavering, nothing wavering, having full faith that the Spirit of God loves you, dwells within you, and has every desire to show you the truths that God wants you to see. Anything else before we close tonight? Go ahead. Okay. Where it says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Mm -hmm. You know, this right. is, and that's the way God shows it. This right. foolishness of preaching. Right. You know, this is for your order. Mm -hmm. And but you know, man, you do want to shine. Because I mean if you step back for a second and you just think about the resurrection of Jesus, that's ridiculous. Nobody comes back to life from the dead unless they weren't really dead to begin with. <laughs> you know? That's ridiculous. Somebody who's been rotting in a, in a cave for three days, they don't just walk out and walk through walls. The dead don't come to life because somebody died on a cross. Remember that story how bones of old prophets started coming out and saints came out and walked around the city? That's foolishness. Why would anybody believe that? Well, we believe it because the Spirit gives us the, the eyes to see it as truth. Even though it does kind of sound like a fairy tale sometimes. That's no, I mean, no disrespect to the truth, but I'm just saying we can, we can kind of understand where worldly, natural wisdom of men is kind of coming from. Because this stuff doesn't just happen in the natural world. We don't, none of us have seen that with our own eyes. But go ahead. Right, right. And that's really what we're, our faith comes from, is we believe the testimony of the resurrected Christ. We didn't see it ourselves. We believe it because somebody else said it, and the Spirit gives us the ability to actually see it as truth.
which, you know, this faith that's given to us is really quite profound if you, when you think about it. There's no reason why we should believe any of this except by the power of the Spirit. His ways are right. 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 So in a sense, I don't know if this is, because you know, I wasn't able to dwell on that, but in, in my mind, that's the Spirit can show you, but then you have to actually believe it <laughs> and act on it. Because we don't necessarily have to believe it. And that was a problem in, I can't remember what chapter in Hebrews, but he's talking about those people who have tasted and received and dwelled among the people of God and have received his benefits and um, seen signs and wonders done amongst his people, but then yet turn and choose to not believe, there is no repentance for those people. Because <laughs> you have to actually see it. You see the revealed word. You see the, the spirit reveals it to you, shows you the truth. There's no reason why you shouldn't believe it to be true, but you just choose to reject it anyway. When everything was done so that you could receive it and follow it and believe it. Maybe we'll look at that passage another time, but anything else?